When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR, new customers, you can make any $5 NBA pregame money line bet this week and get $150 in free bets if your team wins. That's with code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I am Patrick Lyons. And I, I'm Susie Hunter. I have been on the East Coast for a couple of days now, and I forgot how this is the worst time zone to watch sports in. It can be very challenging, unless you're overseas. Like midnight last night, it was ridiculous. Yes, uh, it does start here in Denver. Pretty sure at 8:30 a.m., which is a, which is a weird time. There's there's a there's a half hour time difference too as you go west, which I, I know you know that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we, we, we've got it pretty nice here. Uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, we've got it uh, pretty nice in the Rockies world because there's some positive news about Todd Helton's Hall of Fame candidacy, other little Rockies rumors here and there. The bulk of our show here in the middle segment, what can MLB learn from the World Cup? Maybe some things that they should be doing more of. Definitely some things they should not get involved in whatsoever and aren't, thankfully. <laughs> and we'll celebrate Minor League Monday. But Susie, uh, did you have a good time uh, not only celebrating the the birth of your nephew, but just Thanksgiving yeah. in general. It was so good. I mean, I, um, you know, I was in TV news for a long time, so you don't really get to see your family for holidays. So the fact that I'm able to like move this whole operation out to the East Coast for a week is like amazing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, before the show, I was just like snuggling with my little nephew. It was adorable. I'm like, this is a great day. <laughs> That's that's awesome. What were the yeah. what was the dessert situation like? Ooh, uh, okay. So, um, anyone from the Philly area will know about Linville Orchard's pies. My sister brought the pies down from one of the best places to get a pie in the whole damn world. Uh, so we had pumpkin pie, we had pecan pie, um, we had um, I, my um, my brother in law's nieces like made some like cheesecake thing. Like, oh, it was super cute. There you go. That's nice. Yeah, that always uh, I'm always marvel at people who bring a homemade thing. I'm like pumpkin pie. No, that's just something you can only buy in the store or apple pie. I've heard rumors that that is a thing that people make. But then you go cheesecake again. Cheesecake you got to just buy it from the store. So that's nice that you have uh, some bakers there in the family. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I also the night before Thanksgiving, um, I got a pumpkin cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. So like I have just been on a tear. <laughs> A lot of cheese, a lot of On cakes, a, a lot of pie. Patrick. Yes. No, I, I got plenty of miles in to try to potentially burn off all the calories. I, I don't know if I did well. We had four pies for seven people, so that was more than enough. Uh, I was. Did you was not feeling- run a marathon the next day? 
I was planning on it and then I was just a little too groggy. So I got in like 14 and change, but I did do 10 uh, and a half in the morning of Thanksgiving. So I was in, I was definitely in the positive there. So that was that good. Is like, that's like five turkey trots right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. According to the, uh, one of the, one of the apps I use, like even my resting calories was like over a thousand. So, uh, so I, I had burned my day's calories off before, uh, for dinner, before Thanksgiving. Oh, here's oh another gosh. big key one uh, we do. I really do want to talk baseball today, but, I guess but this, we can talk baseball on this baseball podcast, but, but this is a critical thing. And, and I don't know, you know, if this is, this causes a wedge in, in families, but what time is the goal time to start eating Thanksgiving? What is the time you start to eat? Because it, it varies. It varies for different families. Yeah. I feel like earlier dinner time is like the way you're supposed to do it. Cause it's such a big meal. You need time to be awake and digest afterwards, but like, I don't want to start too early for me. I think three o'clock is the perfect time. Your opinion is actually correct. Again, it's correct. It's can't just be correct. But it, it is. Yeah. We, we were like two, two thirty, something like that. You're right. Yeah. The sun, you know, goes down super early now at this time of the year, went out for a quick little walk to move some things around. Boom. Created room for dessert. Perfect. It sounds like we both won Thanksgiving. And right now Todd Helton is winning the hall of fame balloting because votes are going out They're They're public. If you are a voter for the, uh, baseball, Writers Association of America. You don't have to publicize your ballot, but of the three that have gone public, Todd Helton has been checkmarked on all three, along with Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner. So long way to go to that 75%, but three for three. That I mean, that that needs to be on his plaque. Todd Helton, three for three. That's just what he did. How many, how many votes? Um, how many Hall of Fame voters are there in any given year? In any given year, obviously it fluctuates. I want to say we're near about 450. There's like 700 okay. members of the BBWAA, but then only about like 450 uh, have been around for the the decade to uh, to be able to to actually have that vote. So, you know, you you do the math there on on whatever that would be, but got to get 75 percent. And, and Todd's All off right. to a good start. That's exciting. Hold on, am I going to have to do math, or can someone do it for me? How many voters do we need to personally? um lobby to make this happen oh it, it would have to be very much a lot so 338 would be the exact number if we had 400 voters 338 is what we need okay to to i think we can do it yes uh very, very doable i think uh, i think the rockies if we're talking about things that they can do i think they can bring back adam Ottavino. Now the, the Mets are interested in bringing him back. That's the scuttlebutt. I think he's going to have a decent market. He might not be one of the, the top relievers that are out there, but he's undoubtedly one of the most consistent one. Uh, MLB trade rumors has him at a two year, $14 million deal. Whereas the fan graphs crowdsource has predicted only one year, $6 million. I think at two years, 14, I don't know that the Rockies would be willing to go three or if you would even need to, to take uh, three years, but two years, maybe even, you know, 18 million. So he's making just a little bit less than Daniel Bard. I think that could bring back Adam Ottavino to Colorado. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's still loved in Colorado. I mean, we saw when he was visiting over the summer. I mean, he, there was a line of Colorado media waiting to interview him. So, I mean, I think that would be really, it would be great to see for, for us. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Thomas Harding uh, a couple of years ago, you know, came up with his, his top five list of relievers in Rockies history. And, and it's again, an opinion piece, but it's, it's fact. Like I, I, no one is, is taking any of these five names out. Brian Fuentes, obviously being the the top. I mean, the award that we give out at the DNVR.com every year for the best relief pitcher is the Brian Fuentes award. So obviously he's doing something right. Three all-star game appearances, most for a a Rockies pitcher has the lowest batting average against in club history, 115 saves and 138 opportunities. You know, Fuentes is, is quite legendary. No relation to Josh Fuentes no. or anyone Josh Fuentes is related to. As far Josh as we Fuentes know. is related to a lot of people in baseball, but not Brian Fuentes. He is. Yes. Although, you know what? You may need to bust out your, your old uh, genealogy password there and get on that. We got, you know, that's your off season goal, Susie. Every player in the 40-man roster, just find out who they're related to or who they aren't related to. 
get on that as soon as the show's over. We'll, we'll finish the show and then you can start work on this mega project. Oh, okay, if you insist, doing the one thing that I love the most more than anything. I'll set up the spreadsheet for you so we can get, you know, we'll get the astrology signs in there. I got you. Actually, if you set up a spreadsheet for me, that would be super helpful. Okay, done. Done deal. Start the process for me and I will finish it. <laughs> uh, Thomas Harding's top five relievers in Rockies history. Raphael Betancourt, uh, second highest wins above replacement, according to fan graphs, second only to, to Brian Fuentes. Started his Rockies career at age 34. Think about that, a 34-year-old relief pitcher coming to Colorado and then posting three point yeah, and then posting a 3.53. ERA, his, his fielding independent pitching is actually even lower than that. Lowest in franchise history. Adovino, third greatest Rockies relief pitcher of all time. Of pitchers with at least 200 relief innings, Adovino's 10.4 strikeouts per nine tops the list. He's got the he's the OG of the sweeper. And and he is open and honest. That 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 would be the probably the best piece besides what he contributes to the bullpen. It's having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Him and Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard is already really open and honest, especially before games, just hanging out in the dugout. But mm -hmm. adding him, I mean, those two guys would be like I don't know Waldorf and Stadler are the, that is that their names from the Muppet Show? The two old guys sitting up in the balcony. Oh my God, they have names. They're yeah, not Wal just the old guys from the Muppets. Waldorf and Stadler. Waldorf is definitely I didn't know right. their names. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You got to get on that. Dr. Teeth. Are you familiar with these people? Janice. I know Janice. Everyone knows Janice, please. Okay. There we go. That's it. Please. Dr. Teeth, obviously an homage to Dr. John. Uh, anyway, an homage. You know what? This show has become an homage to Houston street. He was on all last Every week. Damn episode. <laughs> Every damn episode. I had to find a way. This was really why. I was like, I need a reason to talk about Houston Street. Let's talk about the greatest relievers. Oh, yeah, Adam Adovino. But seriously, uh, no, Houston Street is not a sponsor of our podcast yet. Yes. yes even though we keep uh, referencing him, his 84 saves ranks third most in club history, uh, even though his innings pitched is the fewest amongst the top five. So he got in there, got the job done, threw a lot of strikes, uh, didn't get a lot of strikeouts, but did. Uh, also minimized his walks, 1.8 walks per nine, best in club history. And then the guy, Steve Reed, who also has an award as undervalued, underrated, because he was a guy that doesn't get really talked about that much. Uh, again, hardcore. No one talks about Steve Reed. No, no. Uh, I, I get, hardcores, the diehards, if you will. The diehards do. <laughs> that, was not a that was not a transition to an ad read. But 461 games pitched, 499 relief innings, club records. Uh, I found this interesting. In 1994, this was a strike year. Uh, Rockies played, I believe, 144 games. He ended up throwing 64 innings. Check this out. In the last decade, so since 2013, the 2013 season, only 13 Rockies relievers have thrown 64 innings or more. This guy did it in a year in which they canceled like the final month of the season. So, wow, yeah. Steve that's Reed. a lot. That's a lot for a reliever. Steve Reed, he's uh, he's he's good people. My arm uh, hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and of course, if we're uh, on that top thirteen list, or rather, the thirteen guys in the last decade who have uh, made has pitched sixty four innings in the last decade, Adam Ottavino appears three times. So again, bringing it back around, Adam Ottavino, bring him back. It all comes back to Adam Ottavino, and he that would be nice if he came back to Colorado. I think I think it also all comes back to Brandon Nimmo, uh, because that, that's are we the guy. back on him again? We are back. Uh, Seattle is back on him. He's uh, they're they're checking in on him. They they are interested in um, possibly adding another outfielder. They've also checked in on Andrew Benintendi, another left-handed hitting outfielder. Can't really play center field quite like Brandon Nimmo, but Seattle has a packed outfield. Kelnick in left, J Rod in center. Uh, mm -hmm. They just acquired Teoscar Hernandez. They still have Jesse Winker probably their DH right now. They're shopping him. So look, Trader Jerry, Jerry DePoto. He's uh, another another great Rockies reliever. Let's not forget. Yeah, he was with the Rockies for a while. Uh, but DePoto making trades. And I mean, again, Rockies will have to put up a lot of money to try to convince Brandon Nimmo. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I forget who we were referring to, but almost like, would you rather go back home and play for your hometown team and, and, and play and, and make some nice money? Or is it almost better to play elsewhere and then come back home and be able to relax and maybe not 
be under the same amount of scrutiny. Like Mike Trout. I think Mike Trout was the guy that we were talking about. How it seemed mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, he he's destined to play for the Phillies, you know, uh, for the last half of his career, and and not so much. And and maybe it's not better so to much. have that separation, right? You know, I think it depends on just the guy. And also, I mean, this is like a, it's like apples and oranges because going back home for Mike Trout isn't a low pressure environment. It's like the highest pressure environment you could ever possibly imagine. So I, uh, yeah, I think it's a very different situation. Um, Obviously Colorado is a much lower pressure situation. Yeah, no, fair, fair point. Fair point. They would bring the Wyoming kid home. We'll we'll see what happens. Could be one of the reasons oh, why Kyle depending Phelan on which home is home Colorado, the team he actually grew up liking, or is home Seattle. Yes, yeah, technically, right? Is Wyoming in the Seattle? If you live in uh, Laramie, are you blocked out of Mariners games? Probably. I don't know. That could be one of the things we need to discuss when it comes to MLB learning something from the World Cup. I I am wondering for sure if um if that's blo- if that's blacked out for for Wyoming. That's a, will, it's a valid question. <laughs> and will Brandon Nimmo have an hour and a half long commute before and after every game? No, he'll he'll find something. Maybe Broomfield. Maybe maybe that's a little bit more affordable than downtown Denver. No, I think he'll, he'll be okay. He can afford. He'll those be fine rents. wherever he ends up. He'll be he'll be just fine. Yes, I, I like the idea that he'd be renting in Denver, uh, should he sign with the Rockies? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe you save more money, right? There, there's actually an equation to figure out if you should buy or you should rent. But look, you're going to save a lot of money today because it's Cyber Monday. Head over to the dnvr.com and dnvrlocker.com. Up to 90% off. They, we've got shirts for 99 cents, Susie. It's, it's too good of a deal. I don't know how we're making money off of this. But. In this economy? No, I've legit had family members go, are you guys going out of business? Is, is everything okay? Like they're kind of worried. Like, hey, if you need me to float you some cash, I'm like, we're fine. We're just having an awesome sale. We're giving back to our diehards. It's oh fine. Gosh. A couple yeah. of my friends, like people who don't even live in Denver, like saw posts about our shirts and like bought merch. So I'm kind of stoked right now. Oh, that's awesome. I love I love yeah. that kind of support. Yeah, that, it's great. Yeah, if you if you, uh, if you are a diehard for only fifty cents for that first month, um, you know you get uh, an annual uh, free T-shirt. Now it's every year. It's not just that first year that every you sign year. up. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Your price breaks on the tailgates when you go to dnvrlocker.com. We got another one for the Broncos coming up here uh, in a little while. Fifteen percent off when you're down at the bar, especially if uh, if you're watching some of the global chalice. If it's it's soccer season, we got one more left for Team USA. Uh, absolutely exciting. So head over to the dnvr.com and become a diehard and get some of that diehard only access to our discord. We got up. We finally got our mailbag up and running, uh, dropped on Sunday rocks inbox your questions. We got them through the diehard only discord. That was a lot of fun last week. I had so much fun. That was actually probably one of my favorite things that we've made for DNVR Rockies. Uh, it was, it was fun. It was actually unhinged, a little not safe for work at times. It was hysterical. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. The DNVR.com click Rockies. Boom. You'll, you'll see that video there. Uh, as long as you are a diehard, it's, it's fantastic. And NBA season is fantastic because it is heating up still so many unknowns right now. Kemba Walker or Walker, Kemba Walker, uh, firmly in place there with the, uh, with the Mavs. Maybe we'll see. Can he kind of boost them into the postseason? LeBron's back from an injury. Can he get the Lakers to a winning record? And will the Nuggets, take the top seed in the West over the Suns in time for their Christmas Day matchup against Phoenix. Look, uh, when I'm looking to bet on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers right now, you can bet just $5 on the pregame money line of any NBA game. And if your team wins, of course, you win $150 in free bets. If they do, they got the stepped up same game parlays. SGP Lions right here loved my same game parlays. Uh, it's absolutely a fantastic way to make things a little bit more exciting, more legs you add. Also, the more you are going to win, download the uh, app now, sign up with code DNVR and place a pregame Moneyline NBA bet. All you got to do is have your team win and you're going to get $150 in free bets with code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes. For details, World Cup is on the line. 
for the Ooh. U.S. men's national team on Tuesday at noon. So that's where I'm going with my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. I'm taking Team USA to yes. score exactly two goals, which you can bet on. Just how many goals your team is going to score. I oh. do like that, but I'm going a little bit one deeper for them to win their matchup, not just get two and draw, but win the matchup over Iran to advance to the round of 16. So I'm going 2-1 Team USA victory plus 850 as my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. I love it. I wholeheartedly support it. Yeah, the World Cup has been on at this house um, the whole darn weeks, which is which is good because I like knowing what's happening. Yeah. and, and But see, the World Cup actually benefits you now on the East Coast because 12 o'clock oh, games the are like are a little two. better actually on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, the 6 a.m. games at 8 a.m., like just in time, I'm sure, for the morning feeding of, of yeah. mush and all, all of the baby stuff. Yeah. We have Gerber House. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the baby business. No, no Gerber yet. <laughs> Not a Gerber house yet. That's okay. Not yet. Not We're yet. working on it. We'll see if we can get them on as a sponsor for uh, for Auntie oh Susie. Let's see if we can work on that. But speaking of the World Cup, uh, I got mm-hmm. to thinking, Major League Baseball, what can Major League Baseball learn from the World Cup? Obviously, you know, everyone's kind of enraptured in it. It's bringing in billions. I mean, we're probably bordering on a half a trillion, right? So we can even throw the word trillion around in in some ways. So baseball has to be looking saying, okay, what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What can we learn from that? Um, and, and, and I think that's kind of a, a good place to start. The, the thing that I find really interesting about the world cup, I don't know if you know this, they have a new ball for every tournament. So like they just totally change the ball, you know? So it's, it's like, uh, I mean, it's probably made of similar materials, but it's sort of like the little diamonds or hexagons mm-hmm. or pentagons kind of change. And so the ball moves differently. So like all throughout preparing for the World Cup, teams in their practice, they got to figure out how the ball is moving differently. And I imagine it's not a, a major difference, but you have to calculate for that accordingly. Interesting. Um, just like baseballs, how I feel like they're different every year. <laughs> A little bit. I, I would say so. Yeah. And and that's that's sort of what I'm wondering if baseball is is thinking about if I'm sure they've already thought about it. Now, I don't think they want a new design for the baseball. It's still going to no. look, you know, still have that horseshoe, uh, still have, have the stitches and everything. You're not going to want to change the color on the stitches, but the composition of the baseball so that maybe it does a little something different each mm-hmm. and every year. And there are pros and cons of this. So uh, as I as see you point, more cons than pros, I feel well. Like. For baseball players, I think so. Because you don't hear the soccer players really complaining that much about it. Maybe that's because, again, they've they've always been dealing with this. You know, depending on the league that they go in, the ball might move differently. I don't know by how much, but enough that, again, you have to get used to it. And so they just accept that fact and they don't complain as much. Hmm. Baseball, there's a lot more conversation. There's a lot more complaining about it. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there, there's been a lot made of like, Hey, these players are becoming free agents. So let's have a, if these are a lot of pitchers that are becoming free agents, let's juice the baseball to bump up those numbers to then tamp down their free agent contracts. So you have to say, well, what's the purpose of this? How, how nefarious could this manipulation of the composition of the baseball actually be? But from a game standpoint, I think that would be good for the game in which they use the same baseball for the entire season. And really, it's more about not accumulating all of the best players for a certain baseball type that you're used to, but saying, hey, how quickly can these group of baseball players adjust and mm-hmm. adapt to this new baseball that maybe flies a lot further than they expected or is a lot deader than they expected? And we really try, we really find out what the best talent is. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, our on the flip side, are guys really able to play to their full potential when they're constantly adjusting to changes in the ball? Um, but it does add another layer of chaos. You know, it does make things a little more interesting. But I wonder if you're really going to get the best talent out of everyone if they're constantly trying to relearn how to play baseball a little bit every single season. Yeah. yeah the cream will obviously rise to the top. But like you said, there are those players on the fringes that, Hey, I, you know, I I came in the league and the baseball was really beneficial for my style or my abilities, whatever it may be. So again, we're only talking really minor adjustments. It's not like guys need to change up everything about their, their stance or their mechanics and whatnot, but you're right. It is enough that there are going to be some guys that might benefit 
at the start of their career and they build a reputation as being one thing, the ball changes and maybe they don't have it anymore. And then those guys that, Hey, I, I was a pitcher and I just got brutalized. I, I pitched in a division where there was a lot of guys that launched the ball up really high or teams that adjusted really well. And so it, it just so happened my ERA was inflated. But I think, again, we understand now with statistics that they uh, they aren't what they seem to be. Like, hey, that was the end result. But teams uh, do a good job at evaluating players and say, okay, although the results suggest this guy maybe was below average, there are other things behind it that say, you know what? This player maybe was a little bit unlucky. So... I'm not advocating for it, but just sort of saying, you know, that could be really interesting if we had a weird wacky ball. It doesn't change all the time. It would be the same one for an entire season, mm -hmm. but you really could see teams, coaches, and players who could adjust the best and, and could make for, uh, for some interesting discussions to say the imagine, least. I don't know. I'm just like thinking like, ugh, like imagine like you finally get used to the ball and the season's over. Like I'd be so mad. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the tack, tackiness of, of the baseball, like how it feels for pitchers. Again, we know mm -hmm. that that can be difficult. Don't think that'll happen, but uh, I think it's kind of an interesting conversation. Now, one other thing that the World Cup has that baseball will never have. Shipping containers that people stay in to watch games. Exactly. But maybe they need that though, Susie. You bring up a good point. Is not, not like like they should do that, but fan centers, right? They've got these fan villages all around you know, the stadiums, so that even if you don't get a ticket, you can go and hang out and be a part of that experience. And depending on where you go uh, across MLB, you know, there are tailgates and whatnot. But if you're just having the tailgate in a parking lot, like in Milwaukee, the, the team in MLB is not necessarily creating that atmosphere. They're not making any money off of it either. Um, and, and it might not even be safe necessarily, right? So I feel like that's something that MLB could maybe do a better job in. And, and I think a lot of teams are trying to do that, right? Rockies have McGregor Square now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the Cubs and Wrigley are trying to, you know, develop some things, the Royals and the Truman sports complex, if they stay, you know, eight minutes outside or eight miles outside of, of downtown Denver, they've got a little area to go, but really creating this atmosphere that even if you don't have a ticket, come early, come hang out, make it a place to be. So those fan villages that the world cup has, I think that could be another one of those, uh, feathers they could, they could take out of the world cup's cap and implement an MLB. Yeah, I guess like when you say a fan village, do you mean like an area for fans to gather and hang out or like places to stay overnight in terrible accommodations? Because yeah, like no. when I hear fan village now, like I just think like literal shacks made out of shipping containers. No, not not a fire fest actual situation like that. Not a fire no, no. fest situation. Just the vibe of like, hey, this is where we go to hang out. And then afterwards, yes, there's real hotels and there's a, a La Quinta or Red Roof in. Not again, not sponsors yet. Never. No, no they're not. No, we're yeah. no, no, no. Better, no better hotels, family. please. All right. Uh, but the rarity of the World Cup is another one of those things. Baseball just simply can't have less of it. Now, the World Baseball Classic is every four years. Pandemic kind of screwed up that timeline. Yeah. So that creates that vibe. That's that's great. But can you know, I think I think Major League Baseball it it would be interesting to, to to think about if there were less games. I don't know how many less. Are we talking, let's say, 140, so 70 home games. So you're losing about, um, you know, 12%, something like that, of, of of home games. So now tickets could be could cost a little bit more. People are, are maybe a little bit more invested in it because there's going to be more off days. Each game is a little bit more valuable. I, I don't know that that moves the needle enough. Uh, I think that's just something that the World Cup has that Major League Baseball will never have other than the World Baseball Classic is rarity. Well, I think the World Baseball Classic fills that role. Having less games for regular season baseball doesn't really make any sense because everyone's right. soccer teams still play all the games they play. So I think the World Baseball Classic is already that type of thing. You wouldn't need an adjustment with regular season baseball. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Uh, advancing with technology, don't stop that. Now, soccer for a while they they were really reluctant to accept the the goal line technology, the VAR, and they, they finally have it now. And now we can just go and look and go, hey, you, you did score a goal. We saw the review. Okay, we can we can credit you with a goal. That's a good thing. Baseball is already doing that. They need to continue to do that, which they are. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the clips, Susie, of what it looked like in the Arizona Fall League, where a player can go, "I think that one, I think that one was off the plate. You called it a strike, 
let's get a replay. And then on the scoreboard, boom, they showed the ball outside of the zone. Again, those kind of things of advancing the technology is, is going to be beneficial. And I think MLB is is on that path to, to continuing the advancement of, uh, of technology. Yeah, they're dipping their toe in it. And I think that is ultimately a good thing because, I mean, when you think about it, when baseball was invented, when it was started, there was no freaking technology at all. And now we have all these amazing tools to know the game better and to know what players are doing even better. So, like, in general, the technology is, I think, a good thing for baseball. They didn't even have lights to play in the evening. So, yes. yeah, exactly. There, we used right. to not have electricity. Let's get out of here. <laughs> That's right. And they did mess with the baseball because it was previously made out of horse hide. So we, there, there's upgrades here that baseball is made in, uh, you know, nearly two centuries. Uh, what about ambassadors of baseball? So the, the, the World Cup in Qatar, they've got David Beckham uh, kind of doing that thing, at least more for the country than for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And baseball, baseball has ambassadors, but they are not players of David Beckham's caliber. We're, we're talking about people on social media, right? Those are the ambassadors that are doing things uh, like, like our guy that we had on uh, earlier this year, you know, like he's, he's doing uh, the, those big things and Jackson uh, Olson, Jackson Olson, our guy, right. From the yes. uh, former Savannah banana as well. Uh, Savannah yes. bananas, they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And again, that's great. That's good for the game, but MLB has nothing to do with that. They should not be able to take any credit for these social no. media influencers doing all this work and not only making a name for themselves, but advertising and selling the game of baseball. MLB needs to have bigger names in addition mm-hmm. to the social media folks, bigger names getting on board with that and promoting the game. Well, you know, also a lot of the big names that are former players that are super famous are still working in baseball, but just in like a broadcasting capacity or an analyst capacity. So I feel like they're booked and busy. Like a lot of these like really big names who are great personalities have kind of already found like a niche, found a home doing, you know, like we're still working in baseball, but just not like an ambassador. But I mean, in a way, if like a former star is, you know, still involved in baseball, is that kind of like a quasi ambassador? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Joey Votto, he's he's getting on TikTok doing his thing. I think players have, again, organically themselves started to advertise for the game where you're seeing them on social mm-hmm. media uh, doing a lot more things. And it would be nice for Major League Baseball to, to support that a, a, a little bit more or maybe put that more front and center. And I, I think we might even get there, uh, but mm-hmm. they, they've been slow to, to kind of adopt those kind of ambassadors. Um, and then uh, security. So this was something I found interesting. At this mm-hmm. World Cup, there are, I believe, 20,000 cameras inside the stadium that will monitor the situation amongst fans. And the technology is so good, the cameras can even determine if fans are angry or not. Now, I hate this, it. this would bring a close to MLB Fight Club, uh, but we would have a safer environment for children. Not that it's unsafe to go to baseball games. It's I mean, not unsafe. The- I think, I, I mean, I would say uh, Qatar probably has all those cameras because like well, they have some crazy laws that they're very strict about. So actually I would, I would say that it's, I would argue that those cameras are not for security purposes to keep fans safe. I feel like it's to keep the order that they would like to keep and to make sure people didn't sneak in a beer or something else. Yes, it, it makes things secure, not for the fans necessarily, but for the host country. You're right. Uh, and again, I, I don't think baseball would do something like that. But it is interesting to think. I mean, maybe maybe in NFL stadiums, you know, again. Uh, or, or hey, Dodgers, Giants are playing. Dodgers, Padres. Let's bring in the special cameras to see if we can kind of nip some things in the bud uh, uh, between fans if, if there's some issue. But you touched on it right there. I don't there. know. I, uh, if, if fans running onto the field at Citizens Bank Park in Philly, if that goes away, I, that is devastating. People risk their lives to run onto the field and get banned for life. <laughs> and look, not all. It's a very important tradition. It's true. It's true. Not all uh, tournaments, you know, bring in a lot of money are good for the sport as we know from all the things going on behind the the scenes uh, at at Qatar and and how they built these stadiums uh, on somehow legalized slave labor. Um, It's, it's pretty wild. It's bad. Yeah. They're not getting involved in that. Obviously that's, that's one thing that they don't need to learn from it because they already know that they already know you don't do that. Um, But, but the other thing to to learn from it, to not do 
do not ban Breck Brew inside the stadiums. MLB has got a major leg up on the World Cup for that reason. So good job, good job. MLB. I hate, I hate the way that all panned out. Um, and it's still, I don't know. I don't get how people in Swedes can buy alcohol and like the rest of the fans can't. It's just, it's very fishy to me. Um, I, I, there's a lot that I don't like about what's happening in Qatar. You can get it outside in the fan village, but you can't have it in at your seat. Or even we, we learned uh, from Jesse Montagna um, in, in Finland that you can, when you drink alcohol, you have to do it up on the concourse. You can't even bring it down to your seat. So it's sort of like, you know, in these other countries, again, got to respect, respect the, 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 their rules and whatnot, but it's very confusing. It's complicated. Where do I go? Where do I like drink my alcohol? Well, when it comes to Breck Brew, all you got to do is go to www.breckbrew.com and you can find an avalanche ale near you like that's the drink this autumn Susie, is this one of my best transitions ever is this a real transition that's really happening right now <laughs> breck brew avalanche ale is a real beer that blends blends pale chocolate and caramel malts all in a well-rounded flavorful beer and as i said you actually know where you can get it. you can have it in your home you can have it down on the corner of colfax new york at the dnvr bar and where do you get it you will know where to get it at the breck beer locator at www.breckbrew.com that's it. It's, Love my it's Breck Brew. I miss yeah. my Breck Brew out here. Breckbrew.com and find where beer locator. Maybe you need to drive to Asheville. I don't know if you need to make a couple hour drive into Atlanta. I'm sure they've got it somewhere in North Carolina. We'll, we'll be following up on that. I, I need I'll to know the, the nearest uh, Breck Brew plug that you've got. But if, if you need a plug, if you need a source to get your chompers looking pearly white, the solution is, is right here in Denver. 15 minutes, in fact, outside of downtown Denver. It's Green Mountain Dental Group. They want to hook you up with a $300 discount for a full orthodontics treatment for new patients. All you got to do is mention us, DNVR Sports. You can mention Susie and Patrick as well, but DNVR Sports will get the job done for that. Uh, they can also hook you up with a free set of bleach trays, a $350 value. I'm, I'm due for mine here pretty soon to get them popping. I don't know if it'll be in time for the winter meetings, but for the holidays and for all the pictures and all the cards that we get sending out, boom, it's, it's going to be perfect. They want to hook you up with that with a new patient cleaning exam and x-rays. I got perfect. some good news if you're done with your ad reads. Give me some. I love good news. I'm always ready. There is Breck Brew out here and very close. They have they serve it at uh, the World of Beer in Charlotte. They sell it at Whole Foods. They have it. At, oh, they have it like at Charlotte Beer Garden. They've go. got it. They've got it at all these different beer halls and Perfect. grocery stores, liquor stores. This is exciting. I'm going to bring some Breck Brew home. There you go. You can have a little bit. Of, you can bring bring in Denver to North Carolina. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh my That's gosh, perfect. I'm totally going to pick some of these up. This is great. I love that. Well, it's my it's Monday, so it's Minor League Monday. We're not supposed to do these on m actual Mondays, but fine. I, I've, I'm ruining the bit. I'm, I, this is you it makes literally much killed sense. the bit, Patrick. There's no there's no chaos now. There there the chaos has been removed. But I, I'll tell you what I I uh, I wrote something that was chaotic, but it's mm -hmm. definitely. An interesting wrinkle. And again, it is unlocked. It is free and available for anyone. If you're listening to this, you can go. You can share the link. Do what you got to do at the dnvr.com. It's basically that Ezekiel Tovar, uh, this time two years ago, the beginning mm -hmm. of 2021, opening day, he started uh, in the first Fresno Grizzly game uh, as a Rockies affiliate, right? That They were, they were brand new. Uh, they previously had uh, the Lancaster Jethawks as their California League team. But Fresno Grizzlies, boom, he's starting at shortstop at 19 years old. Gets a hit in the first pitch he sees in low A. I mean, right, there, there, there are themes with this young man. Themes, themes. This man is consistent. <laughs> he's got a long way to go to the majors, but he's at low A at 19. And by the end of the next season, he's up in the big leagues. So the question is, who else could possibly make this jump? Who else could go from low A or who else could go from a 2021 draftee who plays their first full season of baseball in 2022 and then debuts with the Rockies? Nine guys, some of them you may have heard of, only one of them is on the 40-man roster, uh, and some that you might not have heard of. So that's, again, that's free and interesting for you to, to go and check out. One of the interesting names that I like a lot, left-handed pitcher Evan Shaver. He's a compact lefty. He's still a starting pitcher right now, but 
six foot. He's six foot. He's taller than me, but that's considered compact for. Uh, okay, for so on a scale to one to Garrett Hampson, how compact is he? <laughs> uh, maybe a three. He's not as compact as Mr. Hampson. He's, he's, so he's, he's not going to look as good in the high socks and the green pants. He might. The cutoff might be six feet even. I, we'll have to see where that where that range is for for looking good in a, in a compact fashion. But yeah. uh, he could be. He, he's the top candidate right now to be Lucas Gilbreth 2.0, a guy who's a starting pitcher. And then the next time we see him in a game as a pro, he's relieving games for the Rockies in the bullpen. So that could be the case for him in 2023. The other name is known. He's not on the 40 man yet. Hunter Goodman, catcher, first baseman, DH, 36 home runs across three levels in 2022. I sort of think that if the minor league season were a little bit longer, maybe started a little bit earlier, we might have even seen Hunter Goodman you know, playing for the Rockies. The, the way he was able to go from low A to then high A, not skipping a beat, and then uh, still hitting two home runs in, in 12 games with, of course, the Hartford Yard Goats. So Hunter yes. Goodman, definitely name to watch. The goats. Yeah, we definitely need to keep an eye on Hunter Goodman for sure. Yeah, his his defense, you know, I, I don't think he's necessarily gonna stick as a catcher. Maybe that Tom Murphy mold where Murphy, you know, still doing his thing as a catcher with the Mariners. Uh first base, maybe there's a lot of candidates there. Could he move to the corner outfield spot? We'll learn a lot this spring, but Goodman can hit no two ways about it. Look, we talked about the Savannah, Savannah bananas before. They are coming to Fresno in Hartford this year. Not Albuquerque, um, not our back, so, okay, back door. So the Savannah Bananas brand and the Hartford Yard Goods brand, just like the two of them collabing in any capacity makes so much sense because the Savannah Bananas are very chaotic and fun. The Yard Goods are very chaotic and fun. I'm so excited to see how Hartford rolls out the red carpet for the bananas. Limited edition uh, banana flavored Dunkin' Donuts at Dunkin' Donuts Park. Like, they, look, they're they going to do everything. They'll probably do something weird like that, yeah. You know it. It'll be deliciously weird, of course. Delicious, but weird. That's going to be they fantastic. They don't really yeah. get, like, custom donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, though. It's like they do other things with the donuts. So, like, sure. maybe some kind of, like, sandwich that has, like, ice cream and, like, banana slices on it or something. Like the Elvis shake, almost like. but Kind Elvis, of like the Elvis shake, but in, a, in the form of a donut sandwich. Yeah, no, that's going to be fun. Yeah, they they're doing a world tour, Savannah Bananas. Um, it's it's only in the U.S., but regardless, it's a world tour. Uh, it, it actually starts uh, down in spring training. So if you're there, they're gonna they got a game at Scottsdale Stadium on March 31st, uh, then April 1st, Peoria, Arizona. They're coming to Kansas City in May, uh, Las Vegas, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, also in May. Uh, in July, San Jose, Fresno, and Sacramento at the end of the month, kind of doing a California loop. And then August is when they're going to be in Hartford on August 14th at Dunkin' Donuts Park. They're also going to be in Des Moines. Des Moines is kind of doable. I forget how many hours that is exactly. It could be 10. And I'm going to, I want to try to get out to Hartford. That would be so much fun. Yeah, that'll that'll be cool. Maybe our guy oh, Jackson will uh, will be will, he'll re up. He'll he'll be signed for uh, for another year. That could be good. I bet. I feel. I have a feeling we will see. Unless Jackson also is doing something much bigger than Savannah Bananas, I feel like we will see him play in Hartford as a banana. Like he, he has to. Yeah, he he's to. riding his Peloton. I know that's what he's doing recently. He's riding his Peloton. Oh um, my gosh. Uh, Pioneer League schedule has also been uh, revealed. Now again, Pioneer League not affiliated, not, not an affiliate team uh, with, with Major League Baseball. They are a partner league. May 23rd is their opening day, and the Northern Colorado Owls are set to be home on opening day on May 23rd against the Rocky Mountain Vibes. The question is, will that new ballpark in Windsor be done? It's they, they, they've, they've put a lot of money into that project, and mm -hmm. each time I drive by every couple of months, I get more and more worried. Uh, you know, they had to play elsewhere in 2022. We'll we'll see if it's ready by opening day. I don't think it'll be as bad as the yard goat situation. That was a terrible situation. And whenever I think about a stadium not being ready on time and like driving past it and looking and like knowing in your gut, hey, that doesn't look like it's going to be ready by the time it needs to be ready. Like, listen to that gut feeling, Patrick. That's yeah. Like you might be right. And I hope you're not though, but you might be. Yeah. I'm, I'm due for another uh, drive by there. I mean, weather is still nice enough. Obviously you can still work in this and 
those mm -hmm. uh, those construction workers they uh, they they make uh, some magic happen even even in really crummy uh, crummy weathers. Uh, but June sixth is also the uh, the first ever game on the Western Slope for the Grand Junction Jackalopes. They will be they will always be the Grand Junction Humpback Chubs to me. There you go. They they will always be the Casper Ghosts to me. So that's. It's interesting how that works. I, I, I'd be interested in, in maybe picking up a, a shirt or something like that. I do like the nickname Jax, like the GJ Jax. Uh, that, that's not... cute. That's cute and it's snappy. It's fun. Snappy is important. Snappy would, would be the word to describe it. Uh, we were talking about the World Baseball Classic before. Uh, they The teams are going to actually play some games uh, against big league clubs. I mean, again, it's an exhibition game, so what does it matter? Team USA. Yeah, Team USA uh, on March 8th down in uh, in Arizona in the Cactus mm -hmm. League. They're going to be playing the Giants at Scottsdale Stadium. Team Canada is going to be in Mesa against the Cubs. All of these are on March 8th getting ready for the start of the World Baseball Classic. Great Britain is going to be – Team Great Britain. Can't wait to it. see what they have to offer. Yeah, that's it. Crumpets. A lot of crumpets. Uh, they're playing Milwaukee and Maryvale. Columbia also in Mesa uh, at Oakland uh, – Athletics, where, where they train at Hohokam Park. And then Team Mexico in Goodyear against the Guardians. Team Mexico is actually going to be playing the Rockies at Salt River Fields on Thursday, March 9th. So that oh, will be super fun. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for Vinny Castilla because he's he's an ambassador for both those both those teams. And that, that will be a cool environment for sure on March 9th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We need to like really plan our uh, spring training schedule around making it to uh, that game. Have yeah. to. Yep. Yep. Team USA will be uh, down the road in Tempe at uh, where, where, where the angels play there. Diablo mm -hmm. Tempe Diablo stadium. Have you ever seen that? You ever gone to a spring training game there? I have. Yes. I kind of like the park. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. It, it feels old school. But it uh, the buttes out in left field uh, is is pretty neat. We'll have to we'll have to do that as we get closer to spring training. Rate your spring training facilities. How many have you been to? Do you know? I think I've been to all of them. In in Arizona or in Arizona in Arizona, I have never been to Florida spring training. Oh, you're you're in drivable distance. That's it. Well, it's funny, like my mom lives in Clearwater now, so Ooh. she's actually like really close to where the Phillies play. She's close to where the Blue Jays play. Um, so it's like I'm going to have to like make an appearance out there during this upcoming spring training, definitely. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, Bradenton, uh, just just south of that. This is all on the Gulf side, on the, on the west coast of uh, uh, Florida. Yeah, Bradenton, where the Pirates are at, right there. Yeah, uh, Sarasota is is in that area with with the Orioles. You got Fort Myers, so yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on, but nothing is like Arizona because they're all right there. Arizona's so much better. Like it just yeah. has to be because yeah. you can yeah. actually go to every stadium in a reasonable amount of time. Very, yeah, the two farthest ones are 45 minutes. I mean, there's yeah. like only a couple in Florida that you can even say that about couple mm -hmm. it's 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 pretty wild uh also final thing world baseball classic first i don't know if you saw this one Susie. steven kwan and lars Nukbar will be playing for team japan this is the first time players born outside of japan will be playing for team japan in the world baseball classic and probably for any tournament that's pretty cool this is really cool oh yeah here what's up oh, sorry guys like i had something else going on i do want to chime in real quick on the world cup on the world cup yes. and the baseball classic the reason the World Cup is so popular is because it's ingrained with history. So if the way the way that MLB, because this is going to fall on the MLB's lap for them to grow the baseball classic, is to grow the game of baseball outside the U.S. And that's the only because you need to get a passion. If you look back at the 2014 World Cup, it was a full party atmosphere because people were into it. They're crying, they're laughing. It's you're all the way in, and that's kind of what. MLB has to do it has to ingrain that passion and that country love into each of their players and each of their fan bases in order for this thing to grow like it should so in yes. order for any world competition right now for it to grow there needs to be some sort of passion behind it well and I, I think I think that's it I, as you just said MLB frankly it really isn't a world game it's played around the world but I don't think the world welcomes baseball like 
soccer. I mean, that's, that, that's the world sport. And so the world baseball classic, what's actually going on kind of behind the scenes before we, you know, we see all the, you know, the big leaguers uh, representing all these countries is they're playing tournaments in, in Italy uh, and, and in different places to get some of these smaller countries, Israel, uh, Great Britain, you know what I mean? Like they're playing baseball in Great Britain. Like now they are a little bit. Right. And so like, you've got to do that. And that's going to take a long time as you, to your point you hear there isn't that history of people playing baseball in great Britain and all those things. So as much money as the U S has and, and invest in, in major league baseball world cup has the world. Everyone stops what they're yeah. doing for the world cup around the world. That's global dollars, not just U S and North American dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the piece that, that MLB would, would love to have. That's why you're seeing some of these international yeah. games uh, in London, possibly in, in, in Paris coming up too. So they're on the path. They got a way to go. And basketball hasn't done a great job of building that culture around basketball. And that's why you see the Olympics and the FIBA World Cup become way bigger because they build that passion behind that sport. If you guys saw the Serbia doc, a mm-hmm. shameless plug, you can really sell. They, they, they focus on the, on the Euros. They focus on the World Cup a lot because that's what matters to them as a country. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that baseball has to do. They have to ingrain they have to ingrain that passion into their fans around the world. And Otani being a great baseball player is going to help Japan become grow even stronger. You have Herman Marquez become a great and Jose Altuve become great. It's going to help the southern the southern countries become even more intense and more into it. So I think if you give it about 20 years, baseball can get to a place where it can start actually stopping the world and actually yeah. start growing the game more internationally. Yeah. Well, when I like talk to my dad, my dad was born in Poland, like lived in Poland until he was a teenager, but they would like play baseball in gym class, but like not really because the gym teacher didn't really know how <laughs> baseball works. So it kind of be like this baseball cricket hybrid. So there's a, um, uh, you know, there's a lot to be done internationally in terms of making sure people actually know how to play it. That's like the huge first step right there. Yeah. And again, well, Patrick is saying about Japan having uh, non-Japanese-born players on their team. That's something that's really popular in soccer. So you have the U.S. that has two of their best players, and Musa, and I think it's, I want to say A-Rob, are both from England. They were born and raised in England. They lived their whole lives in England. But because their parents are American, they're able to play for their American team. And that's how you build a squad, and that's how you, That's why the U.S. is becoming a, a soccer country little by little because you're getting the best players. You're putting them on your squad, and you have somebody to cheer for, and you're not going to look into their history and see how long they've been American. You don't care. You want to win. And that mm-hmm. what Japan is doing, I think, is what other countries have to start doing. Start uh, Like, there's so much American talent that you – they have ancestors from Nigeria. They have ancestors from Mexico. They have ancestors from mm-hmm. South America. That you can put them on all these other teams around the world, and it's going to make the competition a lot stronger, and it's going to make it funner for everybody to watch. Yeah, it's definitely exciting to see players who were not born in Japan but have Japanese roots being a part of this team because there's so much baseball talent in Japan. That's the other yeah. thing. So, I mean, it's cool for us as Americans to have some of our stars over there. Yep. Yeah. That's fan- that, that's fantastic that that exists too, and and, and as you're saying you here, basically if you're if you have grandparents that are of of a certain uh, come from a certain nation, you could participate. Like um, Elias Diaz was, you know, he's he's born in Venezuela, but his now now I'm forgetting what country that um, one of his grandparents is from, but he's like. But and if they don't want me over in Venezuela, boom, I can go and represent this other country. And again, this is the start of it, and that's a good thing. That that's building yeah. the game. And uh, and it's funny you brought up Otani because he actually recruited Stephen Kwan when when uh, Cleveland yeah. uh, and the Angels played against each other. He's like, you know, Steve, come on, I I, I want you to you to play for us. You know what I mean? And so Lars Newtbar, uh, not born in Japan, his brother was Nigel Newtbar. Come on, how great is I that? I love name this also? family of names. I mean, this it's such a weird. Death. Nigel Newtbar. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their, uh, their father is, is Dutch. Their mother is, was, uh, is Japanese and, and his brother Nigel was actually born in Japan. Was it was a minor leaguer, uh, with the Orioles, uh, several years back. So yeah, I think this is good. Kind of just, again, just trying to get the, the, the big names. That's the other piece too, right? Obviously the best players are going to play in the, in the, in the world cup. And I don't know that it's always true that the best players are in the world baseball classic. They're trying to they're they're trying to do a better job. It, it's it's pretty good. I think I think most of the best players are, but you want the best players definitively playing and and almost, you know, 
just just dying to represent the country. Yeah, I don't think all- you see that with relief pitchers and pitchers right now. That's that's just a, a baseball issue. But in general, uh, they're getting there. I also think they just need more international competitions. Like they mm-hmm. need a North American Cup, they need a South American Cup, they need a European Cup, and they need an Asian Cup, kind of like the World Cup does. They need an African Cup because that girls the passion localized. You localize mm-hmm. it, and you can get behind your team more and more. And that's something soccer is really good at. They localize the passion, and then they can expand it little by little. And I think that's all baseball needs because it has. I think it has the best foundation out of any sport that's out soccer to go international and become a, a world passion. Yeah, the, the World Series is not a true World Series. World. Is, Our yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I put that in the notes as a thing I glossed over, but it would be pretty neat. Again, I think we got we know we think we know the results. But again, this is why you play the game. But what if you did have a series? With the team that wins the World Series, or maybe even the the uh, if you if you got to the AL or NL Championship Series. So again, you, you can do a tournament style. So the top four teams in MLB against NPB in Japan, or the KBO in South Korea, throw in maybe the AAA champion. Again, there's all kinds of logistics involved in that because those you 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 could have like you know the Yankees in the ALCS, and then their AAA affiliate in Scranton Wilkes Barre also being AAA. I don't know how that works. Just, the Mexican League, Taiwan, the CPBL, like that would be great if you had something like that. It's another kind of tournament. You're right. That would that would definitely broaden the the, the, the spectrum of things. Yeah, and I think that's all. The, I think that's all we need. We need to broaden the where the net's going because baseball is a big sport in Mexico. Huge. Like you go out there and people like get are just as passionate as they are about the Yankees for their home squad. But the biggest thing is that there's no exposure. You know what I mean? There's nothing there to grow it. There's no infrastructure. If the Rockies, if let's say some of the richest clubs like the Dodgers or the Yankees put a farm system down there, it's going to grow and it's going to grow quickly because people love the sport. And they're going to get so much more Mexican talent. And that's what the MLB has to start doing because the NBA has camps all over the world to help grow the talent. And the MLB needs to put, start putting camps all over the world to start growing talent and start growing that international pool. Do you think a hindrance in growing this international pool is that you kind of need like a few more things to play baseball? Like you need a ball, you need a bat, you need a glove. Like with soccer, I mean, you could roll up like a big bunch of paper and use that as a ball. But like, I mean, it's got to be tough for kids who don't have the gear to play baseball to even start the process of learning it. I would agree with that if there wasn't alternatives because in Mexico, I remember my dad telling me that they used to play baseball in the streets with a broomstick and the lid of a can. And that's all they played with. Like, And they would still go out there. First base they would was, still do it. Yeah, and it's first base is a shoe. So that's why these camps are there it. for – like the camps are there for to give these, these kids that equipment they need, to give them the structure, and show them how the game is actually played, a game they're already playing out in the streets, trying to see how it works because they actually love it. So it all starts from a passion. It all starts from passion, which the passion is there. There's just not the infrastructure to grow the passion and grow the people around it. There's actually a, a product. I forget what it was called, but I, I looked into this maybe purchasing one where it's like a, you know, a branded stick and then like these green bottle caps. Like, oh, we'll give you 200 bottle caps. Because like, again, that's how it, it might be played in, in other countries, right? That form. Um, we've yeah. got wiffle ball too. Like, again, that's much cheaper, much more affordable um, to be able to utilize. There was also a, a game I can remember seeing at one point that I think MLB was trying to roll out, which would be great for playgrounds here in America and all over the world, where it was almost like a handball version of baseball where a kid, you know, is just holding the ball and they use their hand to hit it. And I think they, you know, like run to the bases. And so again, you're teaching the fundamentals of, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hitting the ball. I'm here. I know where to throw it. And again, it can be played on, on playgrounds and there's no, like I'm pitching to you. Well, you're not even throwing me a strike, so I can't hit it. Uh, again, there's all those things. I want to see more winter leagues on the MLB network. I want to mm-hmm. see maybe MLB kind of getting yep. involved. I'm sure the winter leagues themselves would probably, you know, they like their autonomy that they have, but can we see more of that baseball in the winter time when it's cold out and we don't have it here in America, let's play that up. Let's, let's have more of that. I like that. Yep. Yeah. And that's literally what it is. It's just, it's going to fall on the shoulders on the lap of MLP to take care of this because no other place in the world has the money or has the infrastructure to create this except for the MLP. So it falls on the America's, it falls on America to do this because nobody yeah. else is going to do it. 
and shoot, if if the Venezuelan Winter League or the Dominican Winter League, all those, if they don't want to maybe do business with MLB, and again, I would understand because again, they've got their autonomy and, and everything's working great for them. They're fine. Okay. MLB is, is thinking a little bit more broader and whatnot. Then go and start your own Winter League. Go somewhere. I, I don't know exactly where you would go necessarily. Australia, they already have their own winter league. That seems like it checks off enough of the boxes with the weather. But there could very well be places. I mean, oh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica has a lot of really good tourism. Mm-hmm. That could be a place that you go and maybe you establish one or two stadiums. Maybe even just one. Maybe there's just, you know, um, six teams. So you have three games every single day, all throughout the day. Uh, whether you're in San Jose or one of the, another major, you know, city in in Costa Rica, and that's that's where people go. That's where on the MLB Network you can watch this, and it's 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 a very safe and it's a place that MLB can kind of, you know, uh, keep keep a watchful eye over. You could do it maybe in some places uh, in Europe as well. Like that is how you, as you said, you hear spread it out to the rest of the world, and it will take time. But baseball is is almost still a little bit too slow. It seems like to advance in, in those kind of ways internationally. Do you think that, um, uh, oh my God, who, uh, the Venezuelan league, was it as Drupal Cabrera who yeah. punched that guy in the face? Yeah. <laughs> do you think, do you think that will lead to maybe more coverage <laughs> of these winter leagues? Like, Oh, you don't know what's going to happen. I no, I, I almost think the MLB is like afraid of like, Oh no, we don't, we want to show how, like how wild it is. Like we don't want to promote that. Like mm-hmm. baseball's old school in that way. I mean, it, it was only a couple of years ago that Tim Anderson had a bat flip and the, the entire Kansas city Royals were, you know, up in arms throwing at him. Right. And now it's, now it's a lot more common, but it was like, Hey, that's not how you play the game. You don't swing on three Oh, all those other things. And it's, it's a little bit too buttoned up. It's a little too stuffy. That I think mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't we don't want kids to, to see this kind of behavior. It's passion. Right? They're see, they're seeing it already. That's okay. Yeah. That that passion in the winter leagues is absolutely fine. So uh I I'd I'd welcome that. I'd love to see, you know, more coverage of that. I think even if it was it was in Spanish still, that's fine. I'd still be watching those kind of games. So um yeah, there there's still a lot of potential to baseball first just needs to make it more of a world sport. And then mm-hmm. we can discuss about having a, a tournament that is a little bit more like the World Cup. Yeah, I think the biggest issue, the biggest issue with the U.S. is they're afraid that other leagues around the world is going to take their number one spot, but they don't realize that if you create other leagues around the world, they're just going to funnel talent to your league, just like the Premier League has done. Oh, that's a really good point too. I'm glad you brought that up. That was another thing that I didn't want to get too in in depth with, but. You brought it up, so this is perfect. The Champions League is something that you go, well, let, let's get the, the best teams in Europe. And it's all the major names that you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona. You like how I pronounce that? Um, sorry, I couldn't resist saying Barcelona. Uh, Chelsea, Man United, etc. right? They got all those teams. But there are the smaller clubs that come from Iceland or Wales, Denmark, Macedonia, like – they get to qualify and they benefit from that as well. Same thing in the premier league where if you get promoted, right. And then you get relegated the next year, you're like, Oh shoot, we were, we were only against the the big dogs for one year and we spent all this money on, on players. Now we're in a a deficit. They've got these balloon payments to say, Hey, no, if you come up, you know, to, to the, to the big leagues, right. To the premier league, you're still going to get these financial payments. So we're going to help you all out. It's what it's, it's really what uh, the revenue sharing is like in these leagues is that the New York Knicks can make all the money in the world in Madison square garden. But if they don't have a team in Phoenix or in San Antonio in a smaller city like that to play against, they don't have anybody to come out to their building. So they need to help subsidize that just a little bit. So I think baseball needs to help subsidize some of these other leagues and minor league baseball yeah. a little bit, a little bit more so to help build things up from underneath. No one's going to take MLB away from MLB. It's still yeah. going to be the premier place, but they can build everything else underneath to help build them up even higher. And I think that's where they're afraid that if they build everything underneath them, everything's going to get taken away from them. And that's something that leagues around the world have problems with and even in soccer that they're afraid of building their infrastructure below because they feel like they're going to get overtaken because things change so quickly but the thing is once you're the premier place to go like the mlb and you have had no real competition for the last 100 years there's no reason to be afraid anymore that time already passed you're no longer spring chicken you're not going to get eaten you're good to go like 
you're gonna live out a full life at that point. <laughs> Very true. Spring chicken. You're enjoying the spring chicken record reference. I love that. That's perfect. All right. Sorry to. I apologize for derailing you guys. I'll let you guys continue. Derailing. We're on topic. This is great. No, this. I mean. I sort of want to just like snippet the the first part of the conversation with you here's part of the conversation. I mean, that's that's baseball and soccer kind of in, in a nutshell what they can learn from one another. What they can learn from each other. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Yeah, I don't and I and I if we're talking about expansion, I don't think MLB will ever expand into Qatar. So we're we're no. safe. We don't we don't even need Good. to bother bother explaining that. Also, the temperature, the English national team, they were dying and it was 81 degrees. And they were like, oh, man, it's so hot. This is their winter time, folks. So it's like, that's not going to Meanwhile, happen. like, yeah, no. We, we, so many, like, 100-degree days at Coors Field this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the weather this year was was great for a while. And then, yeah, by, by the end of September, it was like, I can't wait for fall to get here. And then I immediately regretted that uh, come November 1st when it got to be a little too cold. <laughs> but Yeah, it got real cold real fast. Real cold yeah. real fast. I can't believe we've been uh, talking for more than an hour in this off-season baseball podcast. Look, we're good at what we do. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got so much more. We only got to half the things I wanted to talk Which about. Which is actually quite scary. If you guys saw the outlines <laughs> Patrick puts together these days of the week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you got to be ready for any situation. Let's like, I, 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 I uh, you know, help organize these outlines and run the podcast like Bud Black. I'm like, all right, hey, look, our starter, we got to take him out here in the second inning. What's the game plan? All right, hey, he's got a shutout going deep into the eighth. All right, here's the guy I'm going to in the pen. You got to be ready to pivot with anything i gotta know who's on my bench who's available what topics we can discuss it's great and we do it uh five days a week 11 a.m on the youtube channel monday through thursday Susie every friday what's special time this week again right Mark your calendar because the Denver Nuggets messed up my schedule again so uh, my show will be at 3 p.m mountain time there we go so a very early happy hour <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, we, uh, we've we got a few more days until the winter meetings. Uh, it'll be exciting to see what goes down with that. If the Rockies, how aggressive they are. How are the other teams in the NL West? How they behave? Uh, we'll be talking with Bill Schmidt uh, in his private suite. That's that's how we do things there. It's interesting. Yes. Fancy. No steak dinners or anything. Just, just hey, come sit down. Set up your, your microphone. Pepper me with questions. Uh, but it can be very insightful. Uh, you can get a, maybe a fraction of that insight at dnvr underscore rockies or at patrick d lyons that's where i'm at on twitter and you know you can find me at the Susie hunter on all platforms even uh mastodon oh my gosh actually not yet but i am on be real oh okay have you started officially or you just signed up oh no i i post on be real most days Nice. All right. It's fun. I like it. I like it. I'm into it. I, I, I get the concept and I like the concept. That There you go. We got to follow. At least if you happen to uh, squat on the Susie Hunter on Mastodon, just be nice and just give it to her. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to go sign up now. You got to. And then also start work on the genealogy of everybody on the 40-man roster. Look, it's going to be a busy offseason as always. It's going to be a fun one. But despite the momentum we've built up just now, you know what they say about momentum. What do they say? It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you tomorrow at 11.